You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pocket, Neverlanders, and of course, sprinkle some pixie dust around, grab your happiest thought, and fly away with me, your spider pan, Jeremy, and we're going to Neverland again this week. This is going to be almost a mishmash of bits of things for this show, uh, but that's the kind of fun we like to have on Neverland. We don't like to keep ourselves always to just one thing, and so of course we're going to have some usual Disney Park and game news, because there is an interesting game coming up that I thought you'd be interested in. We're also going to take time to listen to a story of Beauty and the Beast, a read-along story. I did manage to find the audio for that, which I meant to share actually a couple of weeks ago when the film had just released, but you know, it's still good to listen to for now. Now, we've also got a fantastic trailer for the Neverland Trailer Park. That's right, a new trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming, which uh, I gotta say I'm excited to talk about. Uh, also, in our main content, I managed to go up to Marceline for the opening day of the Walt Disney Hometown Museum, and I want to tell you a little bit about my visit up there. Also, some interesting people that I met while I was there. And also, I uncovered something interesting that uh, there was a website for Song of the South that's dedicated to fandom, the Song of the South, and they found a record that has like a 15-minute advertisement for the film that was played on radio back when the movie was coming out. And I grabbed that audio and I wanted to share it with you. So as you can tell, we have lots of fun things to do together, so we might as well just dive right in. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Alrighty. Now this is rather cool, okay? Uh, I'm not much for, I mean, I like water parks, but when I go down to Disney, I never think of going to the water parks. But this is pretty cool. This Misadventure Falls, which is a, a new, it's a raft attraction. And it just opened up at the Typhoon Lagoon water park there in Orlando. Uh, and, okay, I'm going to just read for you uh, some of the stuff that they've written here on the Disney Parks blog page for this. But it tells the tale of Captain Mary Oceaneer, who's a world-famous treasure hunter and member of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, SEA. Uh, now... I never went to the Adventurers Club. That's now Disney Springs, but now you know, was Downtown Disney. Is that what uh, 
they were? Was that the Society of Explorers and Adventurers? Uh, somebody let me know. I never got to go. I really would like to have because everybody seems to have uh, enjoyed it. So Captain Mary Oceaneer had made it her goal to sail around the seven seas and collect treasures to share with the world. And then one day, she's out diving for treasure. A storm strikes, carries her ship and precious artifacts all the way to Typhoon Lagoon. And so that's the story of the ride. Uh, there's going to be a lot of details you get to see. Of course, you know, it's a it's a family raft attraction, which is usually fun. Uh, but you're going to find some items from the ship, shipwreck. There's like a bird cage, a diving helmet, uh, some Adventurer's Magazine that actually features the captain on the cover. Uh, there's, you know, all kinds of different stuff. Some of the pictures I'm seeing here is like... Uh, you know, these kind of interesting, um, how do I explain this head? <laughs> it's like this weird statue head. Like, it was all, it was all these different uh, trinkets and saying that she's gotten, like, oma and, and unopened crates, artifacts, crackers, parrot-shaped footprints, uh, which I guess the, the parrot's name is Duncan, who was the captain's diving partner. You'll also, of course, see the hull of the MS Salty 4, which has been snapped in half by the storm. Uh, a lot of really neat stuff, and it is open now, and it's around in the Adventure Falls part, or Misadventures, in Typhoon Lagoon. Misadventure Falls. Uh, so if you go and you check that out, let me know what you think of it, of course, by shooting me an email or getting me a phone call. You can find everything directly on our website, and it's awesome. Something else you're all going to be interested in if you happen to be on the Disneyland side of things. Main Street Electrical Parade, of course, has come back. It, it was going to be a very limited time. But due to the popular demand, this parade is going to stick around through August 20th. And so you've got, you know, over basically the, during the course of the summer, if you're planning a trip out there, you'll get a chance to see the Main Street Electrical Parade. Uh, of course, its original run was in 1972. It ended that initial run in 1996. Has then returned to the Disneyland Resort as the Electrical Parade, bringing uh, Disney stories to the California Adventure Park from 2001 until 2010. And it crossed the country to begin its run at Walt Disney World Resort. So this is a limited time engagement, though, but it is back in Disneyland. It opened in January, and now because you all have been enjoying it, it's staying until August 20th. Okay, now this next thing I want to talk about, I've had a little help. Y'all remember Rick, right? Uh, it's been a long time since he's been on there, Lost Boy Rick. Uh, he has helped out a lot with the blog all of last year. He covers a lot of the DC television shows, usually. Uh, he's you know got a different job, though, this year, so he hasn't been able to cover it for me. But he was giving us all kinds of Easter eggs and stuff in there because he knows more on DC to Comics than I did. And so he's been my guy to find curious about something on one of the shows. I always ask Rick, like, who is this guy? So, but uh, he also, as a food connoisseur and uh, a great cook and everything, he likes to share frequently on Facebook different foods that he makes. And so, whenever I, I come across a food, and you know, you've noticed I frequently don't know how to pronounce some of these things, uh, he's going to help me out. So, I've been asking him about some of these new things. But uh, there is some uh, new things in the Highway in the Sky Dine Around. Uh, reservations are going now between uh, until through June 30th. And you can go to DisneyWorld.com slash dining or by calling 407-WDW-DINE, D-I-N-E. Uh, so these are no new things going on. This is new sandwiches on the World Showcase of Flavors food truck in Disney Springs. Uh, it's got a chicken samita sandwich, a Chilean steak sandwich, and a meatball pomodoro sandwich, and a pork belly ham and cheese sandwich. Uh, now, he did send me some messaging on Facebook to kind of explain some of those foods to me. And he said, Samita is a Mexican sandwich where the bread hard the bread hard sesame seeds on it, and it's kind of like a torta. Uh, traditional toppings for a Samita are sliced avocado meat, white cheese, onions, salsa roja, and the herb papalo. papalo. Uh, the Chilean steak 
say, uh, is it probably thinly sliced steak with tomatoes, green beans, and chili peppers. And uh, meatball pomodoro is meatballs in tomato sauce, which, you know, I guess we could have guessed that. But it's very, very helpful that Rick is letting me know to, to kind of help out with some of these food things. Uh, so expect to hear from him in the in the future. Whenever I find these food things, I'm going to definitely be contacting him. Um, moving on. Okay, so food trucks can be found in the Exposition Park in Disney Springs, and the hours may vary. But also while you're there in Disney Springs, B.B. Wolf's is going to add some new menu items. Uh, one of them is called the Big Bad Dog. This is a spicy hot dog with chili garlic sauce, onion jam, and cucumber tomato relish. Sounds really good. Now, I, I would wonder, though, the because uh, they call it a spicy hot, and it's got a chili garlic sauce. I don't know what sort of chilies it is. It might be a very spicy chili. So, if you like spicy food, check it out. But I don't know, you know, if you're not really into something spicy, you might want to be careful of this, because it might be a little spicier than I, I think. It looks very good. There is a photo of it here. Uh, and I must say, for it's a hot dog with all kinds of goodies. <laughs> we'll put it like that. It looks really good. Uh, there's also a Greek dog, which is an all-beef hot dog topped with fresh tzatziki sauce. That is yogurt, dill, and cucumbers. Uh, it's something he said that he has made himself, and it is very tasty. It's also pretty healthy. I mean, after all, it is cucumbers and yogurt. I mean, you know. Healthy stuff, so uh, I think that would be the one that I would want to try out. Uh, but it's also got some shaved Eero meat and some cucumber tomato relish. And then has a spring mix and some feta cheese. I kind of want to try that. I gotta say, if I get down there, that sounds really good. Because I like Eero's, you know, and Eero meat. You know, with the seasoning, is very good. Ragland Road in Disney Springs. It's actually been named one of the Open Table's Top 100 Hotspot Restaurants for 2017. Uh, and this award, of course, is the combined opinions of more than 10 million restaurant reviews for more than 25,000 restaurants. At Disney's Animal Kingdom, there's some new menu items at the Eight Spoon Cafe and the Smiling Crocodile. Eight Spoon Cafe, there's going to be three varieties of baked mac and cheese. Which, baked mac and cheese sounds really good. I don't think I've ever had anything like that. Uh, but it's got a, a topped, one with topped with pulled pork, and then one topped with shrimp and sweet chili sauce. I like the idea of topping it with pulled pork. I think, give me my Greek Greek dog over there at Disney Springs, and I'll go to the Animal Kingdom and try this baked mac and cheese with some pulled pork on it, and I'm good. <laughs> I think I'd be all set. Uh, Smiling Crocodile is going to feature some open face sandwiches, a turkey, a salmon, and a pimento cheese with thick-cut smoked bacon, lettuce, and tomato, and ciabatta. Now drop the anchor at Men and Bill's Dockside Diner. There's a new breakfast menu. There's breakfast burritos, cinnamon rolls, bagels, and coffee. Of course, you have to have coffee, I suppose. Uh, breakfast is now served seasonally and on days with extra magic hours at Disney's Hollywood Studios. I would really check that out. I do love a good breakfast burrito and cinnamon rolls. I, I think you give me that and I'm happy. I'm, I, I can go either way on coffee. I don't do a lot of caffeine. I'm really not supposed to with a, one of my medical conditions I won't get into. Uh, but I'm supposed to kind of steer away from most caffeine, so I can't have a lot. But, you know, you know, if I can get a glass of milk with my, uh, my cinnamon rolls and stuff, I think I'd be very content with that. And I bet you can. So definitely worth going to Disney's Hollywood Studio early on so you can check that out. All right, the Disney Beach Club Resort, also the Cape May Cafe, is going to be serving pancakes. And also with some other delicious stuff. So there's a special song and dance with Minnie Mouse and Pals that's going to take place during breakfast over there. There are reservations available. Uh, there's also, there, it's available right now for an Easter brunch. Uh, which, of course, as I said before, DisneyWorld.com slash dining or call 407-WDW-DINE. Uh, so if you're planning to be there in the parks during that time, I don't know how busy it gets around that time, but uh, yeah, reserve something. That sounds like a fun with Minnie Mouse coming out. We've also got a dark chocolate raspberry gourmet candy coming into the Disneyland Resort, which began April 1st, and I'm not fooling about this thing. 
It is a gourmet apple. They dip it in dark chocolate. Then it's smothered in mini chocolate chips, white chocolate chips, and some raspberry flavored white chocolate. I myself, I do not like raspberry, so I don't know if I would enjoy this. I think I might ask them, can I have everything and then not get the raspberry white chocolate on there? Thank you very much. Uh, But this sweet treat is going to be at the Candy Palace on Main Street, USA, the Trolley Treats in Disney's California Adventure, and of course at Marceline's Confectionery in downtown Disney. A new specialty funnel cake is going to be available through June 16th at the Hungry Bear Restaurant over in Disneyland. This is topped with blueberry compote. It's drizzled with lemon lemon glaze and finished with whipped cream and powdered sugar. Uh, Now, I am myself not a big fan of blueberries, but I do like a good blueberry muffin. So I don't know if I would accidentally be interested in something like this. But, you know, I think I would give it a try. Although, it is a funnel cake. I'm not really that much into funnel cake. I know my wife really loves funnel cake. So I bet she'd be willing to give that a go if we were in the area. Okay, new skewer at Bengal Barbecue. This is a specialty skewer, and it's got grilled pork belly served on a boat of iceberg lettuce topped with hoisin sauce, picked carrots, daikon, and cilantro. And there is a photo on the Disney Parks page, and it looks delicious. It also looks small. I can imagine you might have to order a few of these or order it on the side with something else. So, you've been warned. If you're going for this, make sure you order enough food to uh, to feed yourself properly. <laughs> Alright, now this is something I really was not expecting. I didn't know this was in the works, but I'm sure you've heard of Telltale Games, right? For any of you who are familiar with, uh, say, the Lego games, uh, Telltale also recently did a Batman game, which I haven't gotten to play, but it was done as a series of games where you get, like, an episode that you download for a certain price, and you can... You can get it, you know, uh, I don't remember how often they put these out, because I've never done one of these. Uh, but eventually, usually after you get the series of games out for download, they usually do release a disc where you can just buy the entire game for a certain price. But the newest thing, and this begins April 18th, is Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. This is going to be available for download on Xbox One and PS4. May the 2nd, it will be available on disc. And there was a trailer put on YouTube this week, so take a listen. Guardians, this is the Nova Corps. You have to help us. This is a priority one distress call, Star-Lord. Thanos is here! Destroyer of Worlds, big glowy gauntlet, wrinkly chin. Yeah, I've heard of him. Time to rock and roll. This is the slowest elevator in the universe. You cannot possibly know that. I am root. <laughs> Good one, pal. One more time! It don't matter what you look like. It don't nobody gonna sing with okay. The Neverland Trailer Park. What's up, guys? 
So to become an Avenger, are there like trials or an interview? Do me a favor. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Just stay close to the ground. You're the Spider-Man from YouTube. Can you summon an army of spiders? No, Ned, no. Do you know him too? He stole his shield. Can I try the suit on? Badass. The rich and the powerful, like Stark, they don't care about us. The world's changing, boys. Time we change too. These weapons are crazy dangerous. Listen, Peter, forget the flying monster guy. There are people who handle this sort of thing. The illegal weapons barrier was at 2.30. You missed it. somebody had died i was just trying to be like you i wanted you to be better i'm gonna need the suit back but i'm nothing without this suit if you're nothing without this suit then you shouldn't have it i screwed up you need to stop carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders i want you to understand i'll do anything to protect my family i know you know what i'm talking about so don't mess with me that will kill you and everybody you love. My friends are up there! The guy is still out there. I've just got to do this on my own. Just don't do anything stupid. I got this. All right? Yeah. So this week on our trailer park, Spider-Man Homecoming. And I must say, you know, I was I was interested before. Uh, I did enjoy seeing Spider-Man. You know, Tom Holland in Civil War kind of gives us a nice taste of what they're trying to do with Spider-Man. We got a good flavor of things in that previous trailer. And now we've got a second trailer where we get a little bit more story. And, you know, I, I can see the case. Some people are saying, oh, look, it's Iron Man 4 because... It seems a lot of what the Vulture, played by Michael Keaton, is doing it seems to be tied with uh, a feud he might have with Tony Stark. And that might also lead into part of the reason why it seems Tony Stark is telling Peter, hey, you know, let us handle this. You just be a nice, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man because I like what you do there. Uh, and it also feeds into where we've heard previously Peter Parker complaining about and he's being treated like a child. So it does kind of play in there. And we also get to see a little bit more of where we got a shot on the per first trailer, we get to see Spider-Man holding a ferry boat together with a bunch of webs. And I thought that was going to be one of those big heroic moment things where Spider-Man is save saving a lot of people and saves the day. But uh, from what we're led to be shown here in this trailer, apparently it's also considered something that he's failed at, that uh, this boat splitting in half should not have happened. Although I'm, I don't know that it's completely his fault. It seems like the Vulture showed up there, and the Vulture caused this, and so I don't, I don't know how it's supposed to be like Spider-Man's fault, like he made a mistake. Uh, but it looks like Iron Man does show up to kind of assist to help bring the boat together. Uh, but then Tony, um, you know, is, is still in kind of a mentor role. We see him, you know, saying, "All right, well, you need to give me that suit back." And with uh, a lesson that Tony has learned, that he's learned that there's something special about he himself that makes him Iron Man, not just. 
the suit that he wears. Uh, it's a lesson he learned in Iron Man 3. It seems like he's trying to pass that lesson on to Spider-Man, that, like, the suit is not... If, if the suit is what you think makes you, then you don't deserve this suit. The suit should help you to be more, you know, be what you already are, as somebody who apparently needs to be better than Tony Stark. Uh, so I'm very interested on that type of thing. There are some people who have kind of, eh, I don't know if I just do much Avenger stuff in there, uh, to which I've seen a very great response like, oh, we've always wanted to see Spider-Man be able to interact with other Marvel characters, and now that we get it, people are complaining. And I think that's a very well-made point. I am very excited about this movie. After I saw this trailer, uh, I was interested before, but now, boy, I am down with this. I am awesome. I'm, I'm so ready for June 7th. Get in that ride! Forget it, Bob! We'll never... Dad! 
I waited in line an hour for this thing, and I'm riding it. Now, hop in. Now, the last thing you'll ever see. A legally required safety. <laughs> Here are some brief guidelines to ensure a safe and pleasant experience. When the doors open, move immediately into the vehicle boarding station. Walk, don't run. Proceed to the left and right side of the vehicle. We ask that you place all large or fragile items, including cameras and video recorders, against the wall outside the vehicle, and hold on to all loose articles. Take your seats in an orderly fashion, and please watch your head as you enter the vehicle. If you have difficulty dealing with small spaces, make the crusty crew member aware of this before entering the vehicle. Once you are seated, please pull down on the lap bar. Please remain seated and face forward while the vehicle is in motion. Keep your arms and legs clear of the closing doors and inside the vehicle at all times. No still or motion picture photography of any kind is allowed. Thanks for your attention. Enjoy the ride. The faster we do the ride, the sooner I can hit the bathroom. Sit out already so Sideshow Bob can kill us! Hey, let's play the sit-down game! Rule number one, sit down. Rule number two, keep doing it. Rule number three, the end. Now sit down, all the seats are the same except the ones that are better. Gonna make an annoying noise until you sit down! Okay, ride's over. Ha <laughs> kidding! Don't worry, folks. Your comfort and safety is in the hands of highly qualified teens like myself. We're required to take an extensive training course and not wear facial hair. Enjoy yourself, but keep the screaming down. I have a math test to study for. If I don't get a C, I get kicked out of the audio-visual club! I've taken over every area of the park. There's no place you'll be safe from me. And now, enjoy a ride that's about to be demolished while you're riding it. Well, <laughs> roll of a coaster. I'm scared, Dad. Sweetie, that won't kill you in an amusement park as long as you have a dime left in your pocket. There's nothing you can do. You're about to die. You sound like my doctor. My next begins. So, 
giant steel ball, have you? <laughs> you don't want to hurt me, Paul. We're both big and round and never finished high school. Welcome to a magical journey through my mouth. The kitty ride. Ooh. At least we're safe. Panda begs to differ. We look at you. Shut up. Say we. Oh, 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 oh. Alone at last. I'm trying to kill the kids. It just gets better and better. <laughs> Resist every temptation I place in front of you. Oh dear! Oh, it's a temptation! How did fear hurt anybody? Uh -oh. I hate chain reactions! You foiled my plans for the last time! You soiled your pants for the last time? <laughs>
Jenny. Huh? Follow Jenny. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. Beauty and the Beast. Read the story along with me and find out what happens. You'll know when it's time to turn the page when you hear this sound. Once upon a time in a faraway land, a young prince lived in a shining castle. Although he had everything a person could want, he had no love in his heart. One winter's night, an old woman came to the castle, begging the prince for shelter from the cold. In return for this kindness, she offered him a single perfect rose. Disgusted by her rags, the prince sneered at the rose and turned the poor woman away. Do not be fooled by appearances, she warned him. There is beauty to be found within all things. Then, in a flash, the woman's ugliness melted away to reveal a lovely enchantress. As punishment for his selfishness, the enchantress turned the prince into a hideous beast, the castle into a dark fortress, and the servants into household objects. Before she left, she gave the prince two gifts, a magic mirror that allowed him to see the outside world, and the rose which would only live until his 21st birthday. If you learn to love another and earn her love in return before the last petal of the rose has fallen, said the enchantress, the spell will be broken. If not, you will remain a beast forever. A few years passed. One day, in a village not far from the castle, a young girl named Belle was crossing the town square. Belle loved to read, and, as usual, she had her nose in a book. The handsome but conceited Gaston watched her. Gaston admired Belle almost as much as he admired himself. She is the girl I'm going to marry, he declared. When Belle got home, her father, Maurice, greeted her excitedly. I've just finished my latest invention! he exclaimed. I hope it works. Of course it will, Belle reassured him. I'm sure it will win first prize at the fair. That afternoon, Maurice hitched his invention to his horse, Philippe, and set off for the fair. But Maurice and Philippe became lost as they rode through the forest. Suddenly, they heard the howling of wolves. The frightened horse reared up in alarm, sending poor Maurice flying through the air. Maurice got up quickly and ran down a hillside with the wolves snapping at his heels. He saw an iron gate, slipped through it and slammed it shut just in time. He followed a path until he came to a dark, forbidding castle. When no one answered his knock, Maurice opened the creaking door 
and let himself in. No sooner was he inside than a strange thing happened. A candlestick bowed and began talking to him. Welcome, my good man, said the candlestick. Then a clock stepped out of the shadows and scolded the candlestick. Lumiere, you know our master said not to let anyone in. Oh, but now that he's here, Cogsworth, said Mrs. Potts, a talking teapot, we must be kind to the old gentleman. Her teacup son, Chip, agreed. So they gave Maurice some tea, a bite to eat and a chair to rest in. Suddenly, a dreadful beast burst into the room. A stranger, he roared. What are you doing here? I just needed a place to stay, said Maurice timidly. I'll give you a place to stay, shouted the beast. Then he scooped Maurice up in his hairy paws and carried him off to the dungeon. Back at the village, Belle was waiting for her father to return when Gaston came to ask for her hand in marriage. Belle tried to say no politely. I really don't deserve you, she started to say, but Gaston would not listen. He had backed her up against the door. When Belle reached for the doorknob, she opened the door and sent him sprawling down the steps into a giant puddle. Later, Belle heard Philippe whinnying outside her window. Where is father? she said to the horse. Did something happen to him? Belle threw on a cloak and leapt onto Philippe's back. Take me to papa, she commanded. Philippe sped through the forest until he came to the dark and uninviting castle. Belle saw her father's hat lying just inside the gate. She tied Philippe to a post and followed the path up to the castle. Papa, are you here? cried Belle. She slowly pushed open the door of the castle and stepped inside. Lumiere, Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts and Chip quietly followed Belle through the halls. Isn't she lovely? whispered Mrs. Potts. Perhaps she's the one who will break the spell. Finally, Belle found her poor father locked away in a lonely cell. She was reaching out to touch his hand when the beast suddenly appeared. Trembling with fright, Belle asked the beast to let her father go. He's an old man, she begged. Take me instead. Very well, said the beast. But you must promise to stay here forever. You have my word, replied Belle. Then, before Belle could say a proper goodbye, the beast dragged Maurice away and sent him home in an enchanted coach. Soon, the beast returned for Belle. You may go anywhere you like, he said as he showed her to her room. But you must never go near the West Wing. Then the beast shut the door. Belle was alone with Wardrobe, who was delighted to have a lovely young girl to dress. Meanwhile, Maurice raced to the village tavern to get help. A hideous beast has Belle locked up in his castle, Maurice cried. But Gaston and the villagers only laughed at him. So he left by himself to find Belle. Later that night, Belle sneaked out of her room to eat and explore the castle. 
Cogsworth and Lumiere started to give Belle a tour, but she slipped away to see the forbidden west wing. I wonder what he's hiding there, she said. When she came to the beast's room, she found the enchanted rose under a bell jar. She was about to touch its soft petals when the beast came charging towards her. Don't touch that, he bellowed. I told you not to come here. Get out! Belle ran from the room, down the stairs and out into the freezing night. She leapt onto Philippe and began to race him through the woods. She would not stay at the castle with the horrible beast, no matter what she had promised. Suddenly, a pack of prowling wolves crept out from the darkness, their yellow eyes flashing in the night. Philippe reared up in fear, and Belle tumbled to the ground. But before the fierce creatures could pounce on her, the beast came to Belle's rescue. The wolves attacked the beast with their sharp teeth and claws, but he fought them off. Belle mounted Philippe and was about to make her escape when she saw the injured beast stagger and fall. Can't just leave him here, she said softly. Help me get him back, Philippe. <coughs> Together, Belle and the horse brought the beast back to the castle. Tenderly, Belle cleaned and bandaged the beast's wounds. By the way, she said, thank you for saving my life. Belle smiled at the beast for the first time. Shyly, he smiled back. In the days that followed, the beast took Belle for walks in the garden, and he showed her his library. In return, Belle began to teach him how to behave like a gentleman. Slowly, Belle and the beast were becoming friends. One night after dinner, the beast bashfully led Belle to the ballroom. It wasn't long before they were waltzing gracefully across the dance floor. Are you happy here? The beast asked. Yes, said Belle. If only I could see Papa. There is a way, said the beast, handing her the magic mirror. Belle gasped at the sight of her father, sick and lost in the forest. You must go to him, said the beast sadly. Take the mirror with you. Belle found her father, and with the help of Philippe, she got him home to bed. Soon, Maurice was well again. Not long after, a strange man came to their door. Gaston and the villagers were with him. Gaston tells me that Maurice has been raving about a beast. The man told Belle, "I have come to take your father away to the asylum." Never, replied Belle. I will prove to you that my father is not crazy. She held up the magic mirror so that everyone could see the beast. The villagers cried out in fright when they saw the beast in the mirror. That beast is dangerous! Gaston shouted. I say we go to the castle and get rid of him before he harms anyone. Belle tried to stop them, but it was no use. Soon the angry crowd was storming the beast's castle. As Gaston ran upstairs to search for the beast, the villagers broke into the dining hall. But the beast's loyal servants were ready and waiting to attack. The villagers were no match for the pitchers, clocks, footstools, and brushes. Soon they turned and fled from the castle in defeat. Meanwhile, Gaston had found the beast and chased him onto the roof. Get up and fight! Gaston taunted. 
but ever since Bell had left the castle, the beast had lost interest in living. He didn't want to fight. Gaston raised his club, ready to kill the beast. No! Bell cried from below. She raced upstairs. At the sight of her, the beast's spirit returned, and he blocked the club's blow. The beast grabbed Gaston by the neck, but he could no longer find it in his heart to hurt anyone. He released Gaston unharmed. As Bell arrived and embraced the beast, Gaston sneaked up from behind. He stabbed the beast in the back. Roaring in pain, the beast struck out at Gaston. Gaston took a step backward and lost his balance. With a terrible scream, he fell from the roof and was gone forever. The beast took a step toward Bell, and then collapsed from his wounds. At least I got to see you one last time," said the beast. "You're going to be all right," said Bell through her tears. Then she whispered, "I love you." In the beast's room, Lumiere and Cogsworth watched in despair. As the rose shed its last petal, but then a sparkling, magical light surrounded the beast. His paws became hands and feet, and the rest of his body was restored to its former handsomeness. Bell looked on in amazement as the beast turned into a prince. One by one, the objects in the household became human again. The spell was broken. The prince and Bell looked into each other's eyes. As they kissed, they knew that they would live happily ever after. To Disney and beyond. So, for our main content here. Uh, I promised you a good 15-minute commercial that I found, and this was played off of a record. This is from a Song of the South uh, website, a fan site, and uh, they have a YouTube channel. They just started going, and apparently they've put great effort into being able to get the audio from this record uh, out there to YouTube. Uh, and so I've, I've lifted the audio from their YouTube channel, so go, go check out their channel if you'd like to like, at least see the record spinning. That's pretty much all the video is, is watching the record spin. Uh, but here's the audio, and I wanted to share it with you because I thought it was pretty cool. folks how do you do this is johnny mercer inviting you to spend the next 15 minutes with us in a special radio preview of walt disney's new musical drama song of the south here to greet you are such new disney personalities as luana Patton, bobby driscoll james basquet and of course the man who's given the world some of its greatest movies walt disney so come on while we chat and sing a bit latch on to some of this fun to see it again and again. It's Song of the South with Songs for a Nation, the picture all Hollywood is talking about. In this new Walt Disney full-length Technicolor hit, you'll thrill to the gay, heartwarming stories based on the tales of Uncle Remus. You'll sing and whistle its glorious music. You'll love the new Disney youngsters, Bobby and Luana. And you'll get a thousand laughs at Disney's three great new comedy characters. 
Be sure and see Song of the South when it plays your town. No, friends, like I said, this is going to be a little informal get-together session with Walt Disney and the others. We're just sitting around talking about the wonderful time they had making their new picture. I'll tell you we had a wonderful time, Mr. Mercer. I don't want it. We sure did. When the one and I weren't working on the set or going to stroll on the lot, we got to see all the Donald Duck movies we wanted. And boy, was that fun. We got to see Mickey Mouse and Pluto, too. <laughs> As you can see, Johnny, the younger generation liked the movie business. My guess is they like working for you, Walt. You can say that again, Johnny. Well, Jim Basket, I thought you were down in the briar patch. Just call me Uncle Remus, sir. Everybody else does. Say, who do you have following you there, Uncle Remus? <laughs> Looks like some of his best friends. That little fellow's Burr Rabbit. And Brer Fox. And Brer Bear. <laughs> They're pretty new around here. You see, they were just born and brought up in Song of the South. What a gang. Where'd you find them, Uncle Remus? Well, seems like wherever I go, these boys just take to following me. Have you ever met them, Johnny? That little guy with the white tail feathers looks familiar. I'm Donald Duck. I'm the head man around here. Why, Donald, how'd you get in here? I don't remember seeing him in Song of the South. Don't mind me, Charlie. I'm just trying to hear an Uncle Rama story. <laughs> Seems like the little man with the gravel voice is just a mite jealous of the new boys. But if he don't quit bothering me... Uh, what you say, Bill I says if he don't get out of here, I'm just gonna knock his head clean off. You like right, who else? I'm the strongest little guy in the world. Uh-huh, Donald. Brother Bear is pretty tough. And so am I. I's Bear Rabbit. I's known as the outdoorness most bold dangerous critter in the South. <laughs> yeah, Bear Bear, yeah, that. You mm -hmm. ain't so smart, Bear Fox. Just your ass, Uncle Remus, my angel. Uncle Remus, ain't I the smartest one? Now, look here. Y'all just keep me out of this. That's what I said. Don't tell me, Uncle Remus. What about a story? Donald Duck, you've heard enough stories. Yes, and anyway, we're here to tell the folks about Song of the South. Song of the South. So that's it. A conspiracy. That's what it is. A conspiracy. Now take it easy, Donald. Take it easy. You people do and make a cut in picture. And you don't even put me in it. You just think I don't care. I resent that, sir. And so do I, Sparkbox. The Uncle Remus, do you want I should knock his head clean off? Hmm? No, no, boys. You ain't in the briar patch. I'm going to try that one Tell you what, Donald Duck. Yes, Uncle Remus. How's for you and me and the boys going over there to that corner and I'll tell you one of my stories. Sure, sure, Uncle Remus. Well, let's then, fight. come on, let's go. Can I come too, Uncle Remus? And me? <laughs> sure you can. Come on along. Man, his stories are magic, Walt. Yes, they are, Johnny. Now, if you excuse me, I think I'll join Uncle Remus for a while. I'd like to hear one of his stories, too. Well, I declare. I guess the only thing for me to do, then, is sing one of his songs. How do you do? How do you do? Fine, how are you? Fine, how are you? Great day seeing, great world to be in, sunshine brightly, breeze blowing lightly. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yeah. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine heading my way. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yeah. 
Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. It is the truth, it's action. Everything is satisfaction. Zippity-doo, dog, zippity a Wonderful feeling, wonderful day. It's actual. Everything is satisfaction. My name's Johnny Mercer. That song's going to be whistled and sung by most everyone in America, Walt. And I might add, folks, that's just the way Johnny and the Pied Piper sing it in Johnny's new Uncle Remus album, being released soon by Capitol Records. Capitol Records, that is. And that's a sincere plug, son, for sure. Well, I thank you truly. Truly, that is. Also goes to prove, Walt, that I've never seen a Disney picture yet, which didn't come up with a couple of hits. Well, that's what we try to give the people, Johnny. Plenty of laughs and a lot of good music. And Song of the South is filled with both. Say, where's Bobby and Luana and the rest of them? Still listening to Uncle Remus and his story. I wonder if Uncle Remus would mind if we sort of eavesdrop on him. Oh, I don't think he would, Johnny. We might catch the end of his story. Well, come on, let's try it. There he is, in the corner. <laughs> must be a good one. Look at the gleam in the eyes on those kids. Well, it certainly must be good. That's the longest time I ever heard Donald Duck keep quiet. Shh, here we are. Let's listen. But just in time, Brer Rabbit got away. And old Fox just looked and looked at Brother Bear swinging in his trap. Old Fox, he was mad. You big fool, I catch you in my trap. Just when I had the rascal all caught and tied. Duh, I ain't done nothing. I was just making a dollar a minute. You was not making a dollar a minute, you rabbit thief. You was making a fool out yourself, that's why. I was too making you a dollar. You wasn't making nothing. I was too. Uh... Give me the head, Brother Fox. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I told you he was the most bodacious critter in the whole world. And as some would say he stayed in his briar patch. And as some would say he didn't. But there's one thing they all agree on. Tain't no use running away from trouble. That little critter sure got around, didn't he, Uncle Remus? Yes, sir, he sure did get around. And if I had time, I'd tell you all about the story of Br'er Rabbit and the Tall Baby. I'll tell you what, let's settle for a song. Good. Sing Uncle Remus said. Just for you, honey. I'll do that. All right, Jim Basket. Just what did Uncle Remus say? Uncle Remus said, 
Uncle Remus, Uncle Remus, Uncle Remus said. Come on and gather around me, all you little children, before y'all go off to bed. Now just give me your attention and hear what old Uncle Remus got to say. I'll tell you just how the animals got that way. Now the leopard's pappy, he got the gout from eating too much speckled trout. His mammy dreamed of polka dots, and that's how the leopard got his spot. That's what Uncle Remus said, that's what Uncle Remus said. From speckled trout and polka dots, that's how the leopard got his spot. More, more, tell us more. The piggy saw his monkey friend a-swinging by his other end. He tried the same thing on a rail, and that's why the pig's got a curly tail. That's what Uncle Remus said, that's what Uncle Remus said. He tried the same thing on a rail. That's why the pig's got a curly tail. That was wonderful, Jim Basquette, and what Uncle Remus said won't soon be forgotten either. What did you say the name of the picture was? It's called Song of the South, Donald. Song of the South? Well, come on with me. I'll take you to it. Okay, Sonny. I'll go on one condition. You go on... Uh, what's that, Donald? I'll go to Sonny the South with you. If you're sure I've got to get short with it. <laughs> uh, goodbye, Donald. Thanks for dropping in on us. Now, friends, since Johnny Mercer is one of the finest composers in the business today, I'm going to ask him to name his favorite song from Song of the South. How about it, Johnny? Well, Walt, I've seen your picture a couple of times now, and each time I come up with a different favorite. But there's one song in particular which I think is really fine. And which one is that, Johnny? It's the one Hattie McDaniel sings, Sooner or Later. And here to sing it is that Capitol Record favorite, June Hutton. Knock on my door You did it before 
But sooner or later you're gonna be coming around And want my loving again Well, friends, that's about all we have time for now. Thanks to Walt Disney, Bobby Driscoll, Luana Patton, and James Basquette for being with us. And I'm sure we all had fun getting a peek at what's coming in Walt's new picture, Song of the South. And thanks to you, Donald Duck. And we all hope you'll like Song of the South as much as we all like you, too. <laughs> so for now, this is Johnny Mercer saying... Everybody has a laughing place, a laughing place to go, ho, ho. Take a frown, turn it upside down, and you'll find yours, I know, ho, ho. Yes, everybody's got a laughing place. And right now, America's favorite laughing place is the theater, showing Walt Disney's brilliant new musical drama, Song of the South, based upon the immortal tales of Uncle Remus. Remember, you'll want to see it again and again. Walt Disney's Song of the South. Okay, and now, uh, let me tell you a little bit about my trip to Marceline yesterday. Uh, I, you know, I usually go out there at least once a year, normally during Toonfest, but I made a special trip. Uh, I am working on uh, my stuff for my final uh, final project uh, for a, a intro to video class I'm taking at the University of Central Missouri right now. Uh, and I'm trying to get a, a little bit of a head of the game. Um, you know, he, he's, he's told us about what he wants for the final, but he hasn't given the full assignment. But uh, he said we could do some sort of nonfiction. So I thought about doing a documentary up, or, up around Marceline about the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. Yeah, because I really love that museum up there. Uh, and I, I want to encourage people to go up there if they've never been. It is fantastic. And no visit to Marceline is complete without going. But they had their opening for the season yesterday on April 1st. And as a special event, they had Ken Facey, who is a Walt Disney World ambassador for the year of for 2017 and, tw- and through 2018. Uh, and I got a chance to talk to him. I did film uh, with him at, to put in my documentary. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to play some of that audio for you because I want you to understand a little bit about uh, what a Walt Disney World ambassador is. So uh, here's that audio. Okay, first, uh, tell us what your name is and what your position is. Uh, Ken Facey. I'm a Walt Disney World ambassador. And how do you become a Walt Disney World ambassador? I became a Walt Disney World ambassador by applying... Let me take that again. Uh, I became a Walt Disney World ambassador by applying for this role. You have to be a cast member for two consecutive years. And when you apply, the uh, leadership team assess you on different skills and your passion, your heart, and how quickly you take feedback, and then you move on. And then they select two people of who is going to be the best team and who is the best representatives for the next two years. So what does a Walt Disney World ambassador get to do? Yeah, Walt Disney, a part of the role of a Walt Disney World ambassador, we represent the more than 74,000 cast members at Walt Disney World in the media, in the community, and we have the honor of celebrating hundreds of cast members at several of cast member events that's held throughout property. So what were you working on when you were a cast member for two years before this? I was a leader at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, supporting housekeeping and custodial. So you got to clean up a lot. I did, and I loved it. It's a beautiful resort. So were you more of a fan of the films or the resorts when you were younger? Uh, The parks and resorts. I 
got connected through a TV special that featured some of the films and some of the parks and resorts. And that just opened my eye to what the Disney company is. So I tried to learn as much as I possibly can about both, but I really connected with the parks. Thanks to my mother for bringing me down so often to Walt Disney World. Did you ever have anybody who was like, aren't you getting a little too old for Disney? Yes, I did. My, I, I did have people tell me, you are getting a little too old for Disney. You know, you outgrown the movies. But uh, Disney connects with people in so many different ways. And I think once you find that perfect movie that really connects with you. For instance, my aunt, who wasn't really a Disney fan, but when she saw Disney Pixar's Up, she really connected with it. And she finally saw what I've been seeing my whole life. So what is something you learned today in the museum that you didn't know? I learned today that they have a collection series of uh, several different records that was given to them by Freddie Adams. And these are records that I give an audio version of reading. And they have So Dear to My Heart, Cinderella, Peter and the Wolf, and uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which is really cool. So those are those records. I, I didn't read anything on the records. I saw those. Oh, that's awesome. It's a great piece. Oh, yeah, that's that's one of the things brand new this year. I, was, I love it. Yeah, it's so fantastic. Every year I come, there's something new. Something <laughs> new. They're doing a fantastic job here. Yeah, it's a beautiful museum. Uh, okay, let's see. What I thought I saw something, and it went out the window. I'm oh, nervous. So, <laughs> is this your first time then coming to Marceline? No, this is my second time coming to Marceline. I came in 2015. I was a member of the Walt Disney World Traditions team, and we were celebrating our uh, 60 years of the entire Traditions program. So in celebration of that, I decided to come back to see where the magic truly started. So I came, I got to see the Dreaming Tree still standing. I visited the museum, met Kay Mallins and Inez Johnson, fantastic people. And I always said I wanted to go back, and I've just been so privileged to come back now as a Walt Disney World ambassador. That's awesome. All right, I think that'll do it. That's cool. Wrap it up. Thank you. Let's Okay, and as you can tell, that is just unedited audio. I just wanted to play the whole thing for you. I'm going to be editing that down when I make the video and everything. Um, but uh, so it's very interesting. And uh, he was a really cool, great guy. Has this great smile, uh, really great personality. And I can see exactly why the Disney company would choose him to be an ambassador. Because he's very excited about everything about the parks. I'm excited about working there and uh, about cast members. And uh, he gave a presentation later, which I did ask if I would be able to record. And he says, no, I don't think I'm allowed to have anybody record when I do a presentation. 
Uh, and because and Disney is, you know, tight on some of these things. So I figured I'd better ask and find out if it was okay. So, But I was not allowed to record. So I just want to convey a little bit about what he talked about. And he talked about being a kid from Brooklyn, New York. And he knew who Walt Disney was before he even knew who Mickey Mouse was. Because he had a videotape that he said... Uh, I think B. Arthur and uh, Estelle Getty, I think he said, uh, was hosting this. uh, It was like a birthday event for Walt Disney that he had it on videotape. And he just watched it over and over and over and over again until he broke the tape. And he told his mother he really wanted to go to Walt Disney World. It was like a big dream of his. He just wanted to go to the parks and see it when he was very young. And uh, when they finally got to go, he was just super excited. And he showed a photo of him and his brother with Mickey Mouse. But while he was there... He saw some guests that were, you know, something had gone wrong with the guest, and a cast member went and got, like, a hat from a store and brought it out to uh, a child and everything and just brightened their day. And he saw what cast members were able to do, and he got excited about that set. And he's like, Mama, I want to do that. I want to be one of these workers. They're, like, heroes to him. And uh, so he, from that point on, he was very excited about that. Uh, he didn't mention exactly what his learning disability is, but he said he's had a learning disability and he was usually in special classes. And so frequently throughout his life, he had people telling him he couldn't do something. That, oh, no, you, you, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, just get that out of your head. Sounds a lot like what people used to tell Walt. You know, Walt Disney himself, when people would say, no, you can't do that, Walt. And Walt says, well, watch me. I'm going to do it. You know, work the impossible. And he even told a story where uh, he wanted to uh, join. He had some friends that were, you know, getting into marching band in high school, and he wanted to do it. Problem is, he didn't know how to play any sort of an instrument. Although he had, you know, messed around with a friend of his saxophone. Although he didn't really know how to make a sound out of it, but he thought he knew a few things. But when he got to class in marching band, he realized he knew nothing. Uh, but so he signed up for marching band, concert band, and of course jazz band. And uh, I used to play in band in high school, and I know jazz band is very difficult. So him diving into this full force, not really knowing how to even play a saxophone, was really gutsy. Uh, but he learned, yeah, as he went along. And when it came time to go to university, uh, he wanted to, he was interested in the college program. And in fact, there was one time uh, in while in school, I believe it must have been his senior year that uh, there was some sort of a presentation or paper or something he had to write in a class, and he, he was talking about how he wanted to be a Disney cast member. And he was very excited and gave a passionate speech about Walt Disney and all the things he knew about Walt. And uh, the teacher says, oh, well, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you're, you're probably going to have to go to, like, Kane, Kane University, you know, and you're, you're not going to be able to go and do a cast member college program at Disney World. You, you know, you probably get a, better get that out of your head. You, you, you just can't do that. So he went and pulled his savings out of the bank, got himself a plane ticket to Orlando, and managed to get himself a job interview at Walt Disney World. He called somebody and and said he wanted to work there and told him how excited he was and got a job interview. Now his mom, of course, uh, <laughs> called him. He had what he, call, he called it a Zach Morris phone. It's like the old giant cell phones. Uh, when he landed in Orlando, he had all kinds of messages from his mother of, what are you doing, you know? And then, so, you know, eventually his mother hopped the next flight to come down with him, and he told his mom, I want to work here, and I've got a job interview. So his mom stuck around and let him go to the interview. And uh, they liked him, and they told him about the college program. And so he wanted to go into the college program, and like I said, you know, they were telling him he was going to have to go to, like, Kane University. He didn't want to go to Kane University. He wanted to go to the Berkeley School of Music. And his music teacher told him that, oh, you can't go to the Berkeley School of Music because you're not very good at reading music and all this kind of thing and all, you know, all this stuff. Once again, oh, you can't do that. Well, he went to uh, the Berkeley School of Music. Apparently, you need to 
do an audition, then you have to do a like a blind reading on music. That's basically where music, they're just going to set it in front of you without you getting to look at it beforehand, and they, they want you to play it. And he didn't do such a great job of that. So he, you know, they said, wow, you didn't do very good. And he says, I know, that was not very good at all, so, but thank you for letting me come and audition. Well, he gets a phone call, and he got accepted into Berkeley School of Music. And he says, and they told him, says, we don't enroll great musicians. We make great musicians from when you graduate. And so he got to go somewhere he wanted to go that, once again, he was told, oh, you'll never get to go, and you'll never get to do this. So, you know, he goes, and he gets into the college program, so he goes to get to work at Walt Disney World. And he's been there since 2006. And he went and talked about all the different roles he's gotten to do. Uh, from working on rides and attractions to getting to work in guest relations because that's really what he, his heart is really in guests and making magic for guests. And he told uh, a story of a family that once came in while he was working guest relations. And they says, oh, our little girl wants to be in the parade and somebody told us if we ask you, we can get into the parade. Well, he knew he couldn't actually just do something to just get them into one of the parades, but he went and got a button it said honorary citizen and he gave it to the little girl and says this makes you an honorary citizen of Disney's Magic Kingdom and her eyes lit up it just kind of made her day and he thought okay well that turned out alright we're going to be okay with this so then by the end of the day he was standing out on Main Street when he saw the family coming up to him and I heard him talking to some other guests at the uh, museum beforehand of part of the fun of his job sometimes is he has to work one of the parades you know working making sure everything's going okay, you know, with the the guests. And it's fun because he actually gets to watch the parade while it's going on, while he's doing his job. And this is great for you to paid for that sort of thing. But the family came up to him, and the little girl came up and hugged him. But he was he was thinking, oh my gosh, this, you know, because they weren't going to be able to get into a parade. And, you know, it's terrible. And, but the little girl comes up and hugs him. And the brother comes up and says, that was great. We got to be grand marshals of the parade. And Ken says, well, I, I, that's great. I, I, I had nothing to do with that. And the mother kind of gives him that little knowing wink like, oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't have anything to do with it. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I, I didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, I kind of wonder myself if maybe because she was wearing that button, the little girl, that maybe that was what somebody saw to make them Grand Marshal. Because I don't know how they choose a Grand Marshal for the parades. But that is a really cool, magical experience. And so I'm really glad that happened to him and him, him getting to be a part of Making Magic. But he's gotten to do a lot of different jobs and even gotten to work in traditions. And he even told a story of one time when he was about to start a traditions class. And he got a phone call that said he needed to come back over to the uh, um, the Floridian, the Grand Floridian Hotel, which he had worked there previously. Then they told him, you need to come over here. And I guess he thought maybe they were talking about him working there. He's like, no, I, I don't need to do that. I need to go to the Floridian. But it was his wife that called him first, and some other people called him. His wife called him. He dismisses, oh, no, I've got traditions class. But when the company called him, he's like, oh, I guess I better get over there. And he's thinking he must be in trouble. And when he got there, they told him, you know, get into valet parking. And they, they you know, because I guess valet parking means you're right there at the entrance. You can get in there pretty quick, and they'll go and park your car for you. So he's thinking, oh, they really want to see me quick. I must be in trouble. And he gets in there, and uh, there's this Legacy Awards uh, meeting going on where they're presenting somebody with a Legacy Award. And he's like, oh, I guess I needed to be here for this, but they got to be quick. I got traditions class. I got to go teach here really soon. And they start talking about you know, the you know a previous winner, and they start talking about someone who's done all these different things or in the park and is currently a traditions teacher. And he suddenly realized they were talking about him 
and he got the Legacy Award and got this really neat blue badge that he gets to wear. And, uh, you know, of course, he was just proud to have a name tag at Disney, but now he's got a blue one because he's a Legacy Award winner. And uh, he even says when he went back to Traditions and someone says, oh, wow, neat, you got a blue tag. What's that mean? He says, like, I'm just honored to wear a tag at all here. But, uh, uh, boy, he was just a great feller, and uh, he definitely deserved that Legacy Award based upon just the the brief time with him. He's just a great guy, and I got to talk to him a little bit. And uh, so I'm really happy for him that he's gotten to achieve so much and that he never took you can't do that seriously. And he did everything people told him he couldn't do because he really wanted to do it and he was willing to work for it and go for it and risk for it. And he's been rewarded for it. And now he's a Walt Disney World ambassador. Uh, He recently just returned from Shanghai Disney. He got to go and check that out uh, as part of being the ambassador. And of course, when he's done being an ambassador, he gets to go back to work in the parks. And he's perfectly happy with the whole thing and having a great time and he actually makes me interested in working at the park i mean i was i've been interested in working at the park uh our the head of our weeby geeks network michael emke actually works at epcot running sound and i thought golly you know that would be a pretty good position because that's what i'm studying is sound and video maybe just maybe i could get a job at the park too and so i did ask a little bit about that college program so not this summer around. It's too soon, to, to, too late to get in there. But maybe next year, you know, I'll try to get into the college program because there is no age limit. So I am a college student. And if I find out there is a position that I can do for a summer that would count as a college credit because I have to do a practicum or an internship somewhere. Uh, so I'm going to start working on that and talking to some of my professors to see if I can get that going because that would be very exciting. I don't know that Heather would be that excited to move to Orlando if I got something permanent out there, but if I just went on my own for a college program, you know, it would be kind of weird to be separated from my wife for a summer, but, you know, it really kind of got me thinking of how great that would be and how much I would enjoy that. So uh, I'm definitely going to look into that opportunity next year, and then, you know, I'll try to keep the podcast going while I'm working there in the college program if I can. I might be really busy, but we'll see how that works out. But uh, it was a really great program. There are more things to come. I do have a link at NeverlandPodcast.com for the museum. You'll go and find a little symbol of uh, the Dreaming Tree on there on the my links on the right side of the page. Go check out the page. Kay Mallins is about to give a presentation uh, on April 24th, I believe uh, they said, somewhere around that time. Uh, it, but it'll be in April, and she has met Walt Disney. She, you know, Walt Disney stayed at her house. In fact, she's been a guest here on the Neverland Podcast and talked about it. Uh, also, if you were at my uh, Planet Comic Con event last year, her, Kay and Peter Whitehead from the museum came down to talk about uh, Walt's time in Marceline. It was a great presentation. I do have video of that on our YouTube channel to go check out. Also, don't forget that Planet Comic Con this year, which is running the 28th through the 30th, I will be there. Eric should be there as well. Everything's looking good for him to be able to get on there. Uh, he works for American Airlines, and as long as there's an opening, he's going to be able to fly out here, sleep on our couch for a night, and then Saturday we will be there for our panel talking about Walt Disney's time in Kansas City. I'm also doing a panel with Aaron Rittmaster from Diz Dads out of Overland Park, and we're going to do one at about 5 o'clock about podcasting and trying to teach people how to podcast as best we can. Uh, so if you're headed to Kansas City for Planet Comic Con, definitely come out and check both both of those panels out. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. But I think we better wrap this up. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. 
And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.